Hey, this is Evan Marquette, dating coach for smart, strong, successful women and your personal trainer for love. Welcome back to the Love You podcast where you're gonna learn everything you need to know about dating relationships, sex, and men from a man's point of view. And today, I wanna continue the conversation about the Me Too movement. Um, uh, it's too big to cover here. Uh, tons of dominoes are uh, are falling right now. Uh, it's It's important and shocking and appalling and necessary to watch all of these guys who've been doing this for many years uh, uh, finally, finally uh, be outed as serial sexual harassers, sexual predators, sexual assaulters. Um, uh, but I move too fast. Let me first set the scene if you have been living under a rock for the past month. Harvey Weinstein, uh, chairman of the Weinstein Company, Miramax, uh, Oscar-winning Hollywood producer, uh, got outed, I suppose, as a serial sexual assaulter. Uh, it created a movement in which Alyssa Milano, the actress, uh, put the hashtag MeToo up on Twitter for all women who've been uh, uh, sexually harassed or assaulted. 12 million women, uh, when I first wrote my piece on this, shared their stories on social media. And 12 million women, I think, is a, a drop in the bucket. Uh, I, I, I'm not kidding when I think there's probably 99% of women who have stories of their own to share. Now, that is not something I could have said a month ago, right? I, I didn't know, I really didn't know um, how huge and pervasive it was. And I was shocked. Again, maybe I shouldn't have been, but I was. And so I wrote out my thoughts in a blog post called Why Men Aren't Speaking Up About the Me Too Movement. Um, nearly 2,000 people shared it. Uh, there were over 450 comments. It was pretty intense. And since I can't assume that you have uh, read the article, I'll link to it, but I can't assume you've read it. I wanna read the article first. Uh, it's long, so stick around for a few minutes. And let me address some of the most common thoughts, the valid criticisms about it, the unproductive attacks about it, and some of the thoughtful comments on social media. So again, this is just important. I mean, I can't think of any other word, but this is important to talk about rather than sweep it under the rug. And it's worth it for me to deal with whatever bullshit criticism comes from it um, because there's also valid uh, criticism. There's also valid points to make. Uh, and uh, someone who's thoughtful needs to be able to uh, change his or her mind about stuff. So I've learned something through this process and I hope that anybody listening um, who has a, uh, a horse in the race or a uh, an angle on this can listen to the whole thing. And the best thing we can do is validate each of our points of view. I know women want to be heard. I tried to be heard as a man and a lot of women didn't want to hear me like this isn't about you this isn't about you and all I'm trying to say is men like me are trying to process what's going on and uh, we're behind and uh, you need to be a little bit patient with us so that's the long and short of it um, here's the piece I scrolled through my newsfeed and read through the names it was overwhelming shocking soul-crushing the old co-worker who's an animal and human rights activist, the founder of a teen literacy program, the woman who works at a prominent tech company, 
the CEO of a Silicon Valley startup, the former model who runs a high-end lifestyle brand, the girl I went to summer camp with in the early 90s, the woman who's dating my brother-in-law, the entertainment lawyer who danced with me at a friend's wedding, Louisette Geists, one of the women who accused Harvey Weinstein, hundreds of women, my friends, and I didn't know what to say. I wanted to express my support. I didn't want to say anything tone deaf. I wanted to join the outrage. I didn't want to come off as phony and insincere. I wanted to be on the right side of history. I was paralyzed by fear of getting it wrong. I wanted to say something about being a happily married man, a father of a daughter, a dating coach for women. I learned that none of those things mattered because this is a human problem that shouldn't be impacted by my relationships with women. So I kept reading, but I said nothing. And it forced me to think, are my female Facebook friends taking my silence as a lack of sympathy? Is it better to speak up even if you have nothing meaningful to say? Do we actually need another voice in the cacophony condemning, condemning Weinstein or are the millions of women who are telling their Me Too stories good enough? Then I thought, is my silence part of the problem? Is it anything like the silence of the enablers at Miramax or the Hollywood community who turned a blind eye because, hey, what are you going to do? I flash back to a rape awareness lecture during a college orientation. I remember my neighbor, an overly earnest guy, raising his hand in his overly earnest way and asking the facilitator, what can I as a man do to prevent rape? 25 years later, I remember my snarky response, don't rape anyone. In retrospect, it doesn't sound good, but I meant it. Thanks to me too, I now know way too many women who've been sexually assaulted. Yet, I've never met one guy who's admitted to sexual assault. So if we're being honest, what can your average guy, your accountant, your handyman, your brother, do to stop sexual assault? It's not a rhetorical question. It's a sincere and confused one. It may sound nice to think we're going to get Derek to engage in conversation with Braden about the denigrating nature of catcalling, but it's simply unrealistic. You can't make men talk to each other about this any more than Starbucks made us conduct coffeehouse conversations with its race together hashtag. Author Laura Kipnis acknowledged the same thing in her book, Unwanted Advances. Quote, as a teacher with some experience of college men, I'd say that a large problem with focusing social change efforts on men is that the men most likely to be assholes to women are precisely the ones most likely to resist being enlightened. Sadly, she's right. The bad guys, the ones who think it's okay to routinely force themselves upon women, are sociopaths who are impervious to this type of discussion. The good guys, the ones who would never ever commit sexual assault, can only throw up their hands wondering how to avoid getting lumped in with the bad guys. It's a societal conundrum. Men are causing the problem, but are men the solution to the problem? I don't know. The fact is, most of us tend not to think about issues until they directly impact us. Healthcare, climate change, immigration, tax reform, education, all seem distant until your healthcare is cut or your house is underwater. Is it any surprise that the 94% of men who don't commit sexual assault also don't spend much time thinking about sexual assault? What men don't realize is that sexual assault does directly impact them. Sexual assault creates a culture of fear, distrust, and wariness that millions of clueless men cannot grasp until watershed moments like this, which is why I think Me Too is vitally important. It shines light on the horrors faced by women, which most men cannot fathom. It creates a swell of awareness that this behavior is more rampant than we knew. 
It makes people perpetrating these crimes profoundly uncomfortable at being outed. And yet conversations like this remain the third rail of the internet. If a man proffers his thoughts on sexual assault without impeccable sensitivity and understanding, he risks being called a victim blamer, a rape apologist, or a misogynist. I know, I've done it before. Despite my best efforts to offer an open, honest male response to sexual assault statistics, I got my ass handed to me. And I know this isn't about me, but it is about men. We're half of society and we all have to live together on this planet. So how are the 94% supposed to contend with the 6% who are tarnishing our gender? How can a man like me, who is an ally, strike the right tone, much less make positive change? How could we wrestle with the problem and talk about these ideas without rancor, ad hominem attacks, or slippery slope arguments? I guess that's why I'm writing this post. My belief is that, for reasons previously explained, women, not men, are the best advocates for creating awareness about sexual harassment. I'm not letting men off the hook. I'm only pointing out that Me Too is infinitely more powerful than, well, me. I'm aware why women don't want to talk and prefer men to take up the mantle. Fear of not being believed, fear of not wanting to relive the trauma, fear of having to be grilled by the police, go through the court system and remind yourself of the assault. But if women don't talk about their sexual assaults for their own valid reasons, it's hard to expect men to fully understand the scope of the problem. Yet even that innocuous statement brought me some blowback from a reader. Quote, Placing the burden on victims and survivors to give and share their horrific traumas and mentally relive them so other people can take and receive that knowledge, which the victims already know from personal experience is likely to be questioned, doubted, diminished, disregarded, or reacted to with defensiveness, is another taking away something from them. Quote, Honestly, I don't know what to do with that. Does that mean I'm unsympathetic? Does that mean I'm one of those guys? I don't think so. But these days, the lines are blurry for even the most liberal men. If you don't speak out, you're part of the problem. If you speak out and accidentally offend, you're part of the problem. Which leaves pretty much every sympathetic man in a bit of a bind. Most men agree women should speak out. Most men agree there should be consequences for perpetrators of sexual harassment. Most men will never fully understand what it's like to be objectified at a young age or repeatedly threatened by men of greater strength or power. If anything, it's too painful to look at head on, so we look away or minimize it or sweep it under the rug or struggle to square the staggering statistics with our own limited experience. I look at the situation closer. I try to take stock of how I am complicit. I wonder if I have anything in common with Weinstein, Ailes, Trump. I think of every woman I've ever hit on. I think of every sexual encounter I've ever had. I wonder if I was ever that guy the guy who came on too strong, the guy who couldn't take no for an answer. I realize I was. I remember hitting on a woman at a bar in New York City after eight vodka tonics. She told me to stop. I was too drunk to take a hint. Her guy friend accosted me. I took a swing and missed. He hit me in the face three times before I was thrown out of the bar. I was 24. Would I have acted that way if I was sober? No chance. Have I acted that way in the past 20 years? No chance. But that doesn't absolve me. Culture doesn't absolve me. Boys will be boys doesn't absolve me. I'm a man. I may not be responsible for other men, but I am responsible for my own actions and inactions. 
I can't change my past, but I can change my perspective. I can be more sympathetic, understanding, and vigilant. Maybe, just maybe, I can help change the future. So, I want to address three, I think it's three, common criticisms that came up of that piece. Um, the first one, uh, and this came up a bunch, was that 6% of men are sexual uh, uh, assaulters is too low. Uh, and that criticism is true. I pulled the statistic from Slate, uh, Slate Magazine Online, about how many men committed rape. It was written by Amanda Marcotte, uh, a very uh, high-profile uh, feminist. Uh, and so I, 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 I guess I just didn't think clearly enough about it. So that's just the number of men who have committed rape. The number of men who've sexually assaulted or harassed women is undoubtedly higher. Um, how high? Impossible to say. I don't think it's the same as the number of women who've been sexually harassed. It's not a one-to-one -one ratio. Right? A minority of men who perpetrate these crimes with impunity over decades could reach lots of women. Right? So if 99% of women have been sexually, uh, not, not assaulted, but harassed at the very least, uh, I don't think it's 99% of men doing it. So the example that I would use is, is like guns. There's 300 million guns in the United States. Only 25% of the population owns these 300 million guns. Right? And 3% owns half of America's guns. So I stand firm in the idea that this isn't a majority of men I don't know that for a fact. Um, I'm only going on my own life experience. But even if most women have been sexually assaulted, I don't believe most men are sexual assaulters. Number two, and I I'm, I'm, I'm want to take a step back again, uh, sexual harassment and sexual assault are two, two different things. I think it's uh, one, in, one in four uh, to one in six women have been sexually assaulted uh, physically. Uh, that's that's different than harassment, which is awful in its own way, but it, it's not it's not physical. Number two, uh, there's a number of arguments that were made uh, in the comments that men like me witness sexual harassment all the time and ignore it. So my response, which seemed to fall on deaf ears, was that I can't speak for all men. I can only speak for myself. <laughs> Um, but here are two samples of angry comments that were left on my Facebook page. And forgive the, the emotion I'm, I'm giving these readings. This is the way I'm, I'm reading it. We do not have to listen to you. We do not have to tell you our stories. Open your eyes. Harassment happens every day, everywhere, in the most inconspicuous ways. It's so normal you don't see it. Every day, everywhere. And you don't see it? Really? I was Jennifer. Fuck you, Evan. You men who would never commit assault absolutely, absolutely should be talking to other men whether you think they'll listen or not. Chicken shit coward. And you should be examining your own behavior for lesser harassment. I'd bet the rent that you've at least told women that you do or don't know. Smile, it can't be that bad. Amy. Jennifer and Amy are in pain. They're frustrated with men and rightfully so. But for Jennifer to tell me I see sexual harassment every day is wrong. For Amy to state that I would say smile to a sexual assault survivor is wrong. Their attacks on me only undermine their very important cause. Here's what I wrote in response. When you insist on someone else's guilt without allowing for the validity of his defense, 
you're going to get pushback. No one responds to being demonized. And like it or not, when you tell a good guy that he's a rape culture enabler, it may not be as effective in reaching his heart and mind. We completely agree that sexual assault is wrong. Men are born with certain advantages. Right, this is about male privilege. And that there's a culture of overt and latent misogyny. I don't believe, however, that men need to apologize for being men, nor that we should be found guilty of things that we've never done by association. This is another example of demanding complicity, which turns natural sympathizers into enemies. Consider that on a logical level. It's really hard for a man to want to fight passionately for you when you insist that he is a part of the problem. Criticism number three. Men can stop sexual assault by talking to other men. Um, I don't agree. Um, not, not, certainly not in the way that uh, a lot of the people think it can be done. Sexual assaulters are the problem. People who, who turn a blind eye are a problem too. But even if I understand that 99% of women have dealt with sexual harassment, I reiterate, I don't know any men who, who admit to doing it. Right? So how are these conversations supposed to take place? Where are they supposed to take place? I'm not in the hotel room with Harvey Weinstein. Right? I'm not on the casting couch. I'm not at some misogynistic frat party. Right? I'm at home with my wife and my kids attending five-year-old birthday parties, soccer games, and backyard barbecues with other families. I work from a home office by myself. I talk to women all day long. Right? None of this denies the massive scope of the problem. It just illustrates how something so widespread still flies below the radar of many men. So for the most part, we're not turning a blind eye. We literally don't know about it because it doesn't touch us in the same way. Certainly not in the way that you think we do. My belief is the more women can share their stories, the more men will understand, the more men will empathize, and the more likely they are to speak up upon seeing examples of this. Right? But the idea that I'm just going to call you know, my buddy and be like, hey, um, you sexually harassing anybody? Again, I don't see it. I hang out with a whole bunch of, of married people. So it's really hard to think that, that I'm going to have a, a, a big impact on a day-to-day -day basis. It's really not my world, even though it is the world around me. I have a blog reader. His name's Carl. And he did a good job of outlining why women may have a hard time understanding how even the most sympathetic men are in a bit of a bind. Quote, men feel like they're being blamed for not changing the behavior of the perpetrators, which we can't influence because they're the kind of people we consciously avoid. Men feel like they're being blamed for not stopping degrading comments, which we don't hear because those are the conversations we consciously avoid. Men are being blamed for not stopping harassment, which we don't see because the perpetrators avoid doing it in front of us. Women feel they're being blamed for not speaking up about the crimes or perpetrators because they fear retaliation. So I think there's some structural things when we're, when we're sitting here yelling at each other and pointing fingers and placing blame. I think the first thing we need to do is just acknowledge the scope of the problem and, uh, and, and listen to what women are saying. Uh, it doesn't mean that, that uh, men who are oblivious or neutral are... are part of the patriarchy and are trying to institutionally protect the worst of the worst men, which is some, some of the slippery slope argument I was seeing in, in those comments. So to close this podcast, I want to read some of the more thoughtful and constructive comments I received about uh, my uh, blog post and about Me Too. Uh, 
and I think this is where this is where the important stuff really comes. Uh, this is th these are real women who are also wrestling with this problem. Yes, I applaud you even trying to understand and be empathetic. That's a first step. What concerns me is men tend to hear sexual harassment and go right to the worst of it and think themselves blameless for those most egregious acts. What many men don't realize it's, is that it's so much bigger and so a part of our culture. Every time you make an unwanted comment about someone's appearance or an inappropriate sexual comment, every time someone makes a sexual advance and takes a no with any more resistance than they would offering the same person a beverage, any time you've allowed your friends to behave in a manner that made someone uncomfortable, you're enabling and complicit. So it's more than saying, I'm sorry for what you went through, I'm not that, I'm not that bad kind of guy. It's saying, I'm gonna do a thorough review of my behavior and commit to being an example and to speak up if I see others behaving in ways that make others feel unsafe and uncomfortable. That might be difficult and it might make you feel like you're constantly on guard. Well, welcome to our world. That was Tara Lynn. Next quote. I think the main, most helpful, beneficial, and initial response you and anyone could offer to those who admit me too is empathy. And I'm so sorry this happened to you type response, similar to one you might offer to anyone grieving a loss. Resist that masculine urge to fix, at least not for that person's situation. Sure, yes, look inward, think about what part you have or can play in all of this. But as far as how to respond to the folks bravely admitting me too, the only response necessary is one of love, empathy, support, and applause for their bravery in coming forward and saying the thing that is really hard to say in a public space. Mary. Next quote. Thank you, Evan, for this post, for everything you said, for caring, for trying, for listening, for taking the time to see and understand what most men dismiss, for constantly being on our team, even though it's not the popular guy thing to do, for helping women, for recognizing your foolish behaviors and making a commitment to overcome them, for being one of the good guys. Thank you. I was legit crying when re reading your article. I mean, straight up ugly crying. It was pitiful and also felt really good. Anyway, don't stop being one of the good guys because a few women jumped down your throat. We need you. When people are hurting, they react in ways that even they don't understand. The most important thing men can do is say, I'm here for you in whatever capacity you need me to be. Make women feel safe in your presence. And of course, as many other women have said, hold other men accountable for unacceptable behavior. Make it very uncomfortable for them but most of all, be a safe space for women. Morgan. Hi, Evan. Thank you for your thoughtful message about what's happening in the wake of recent sexual assault revelations. You have wondered how your silence is interpreted by your Facebook friends. You have asked, what are good men supposed to do in the wake of all of this? First, I suggest you are concerned with the wrong direction of your silence. Instead of speaking up to women, there's a dire need for men like you to speak with other men. I've been subjected to sexual assault and workplace harassment. My first, the first violations happened when I was eight. That means for the past 41 years of my life, my experiences have affected not just me, but everyone I'm in a relationship with, men, women, children. When the assaults happened to my physical being, I've seen how they've also greatly influenced the males in my life. My father, my former husband, his father, brothers, brothers-in-law, nephews, men I've dated, men who are friends, their lives have all been permanently affected by the assaults as well. Some have spoken up for me, some have not. I, can't, I can tell you that the ones who didn't speak up when they could have, have diminished the amount of respect I can give them. And those who have spoken up, even in one-on-one -on -one conversations, who expressed their disgust for the acts done to me and embraced me with kind words and loving arms, these are the men I look up to. No, Evan, uh, not every man has a compassionate response. It may not sound very modern to say this, but I want to feel protected even after the fact. I think one thing that would be helpful in all of this is for men to speak to other men on many levels. When men demean women, men need to speak up. When men talk about how they or others, 
they know have groped, fondled, or otherwise made unwelcome advances on women, good men need to speak up. Call out the behavior for what it is, a violation at the least and, and criminal at the worst. Men also need to speak up about the effects of sexual assault on a woman they love or even just know. And men need to talk about the ripple effects that pulse out from these crimes, how it's difficult for those who've experienced it to trust to put our confidence in men. It has a huge effect on men's relationships with women. If nothing else, speak up so men can have better relationships. It's very important for men to speak up for women for another reason, too. I can tell you that it took many years before I could talk about the repeated assaults I endured, and I know I'm not alone in this. The first time I had the courage to tell an adult, it was a doctor when I was 14. He did absolutely nothing. It took another four years for me to speak up again. It's still not a topic I speak about easily. That's why I'm sending an email rather than posting publicly in the comments on your blog. You may, you may use my words in public if you keep my name confidential. Uh, there's another effect. I don't even want to post in public. I am grateful that there are good men, including you. Thanks for asking your questions with genuine sincerity. While the reports are recent, the sad truth is that these acts of cowardice and intimidation have been going on for eons. I don't know if we'll ever eradicate them. However, I believe through conscious conversation, we could cut down on the number. When these conversations start happening, men who assault women will not be able to hide. They won't be able to become serial offenders. Let us women know that you good men have our back and we'll all have better lives. Best regards, Melissa. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to read all that. Um, it's hard to feel uh, powerless about all the bad things that are happening in the world. Um, and to look at your, your self, to look at your friends through a different lens, uh, and feel deeply and uh, be somewhat paralyzed. Again, it, it, I, I, again I'm, I'm likening it to what's going on in politics right now where every day feels kind of depressing. Um, but yeah, sometimes, uh, you know, <laughs> you could be, you could be uh, kind-hearted and well-read and sympathetic and have uh, have nothing, nothing unique to contribute. Um, uh, all I could say is that I'm glad that uh, people chose to engage in this conversation, even if uh, you didn't like what I had to say, even if I didn't like what you had to say. I'm really glad. Uh, I, I know more now than I did uh, before this whole thing started. And I hope everybody who listened to this uh, entire podcast today also got to hear this this from a bunch of different angles and figure out um, how this epidemic uh, affects you and what you're going to do differently in the future about it. So thank you for joining me on the Love You Podcast. My name is Evan Mark Katz. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the Love You Podcast on iTunes. I will see you again next week. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.